Welcome back, y'all, to episode 65 of the Zachary Wingate podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is special about today, and nothing is off the table. So, today, what are we going to get into? I got a recap for y'all that is just going to be crazy. So, sit back, relax, and listen and enjoy the podcast. The process of doing things on your own is dead. Have Do we live in a society where men can no longer take care of their things, fix their cars when they're broken, fix their houses, do things that need to be done around the house? I don't know. But one thing I do know, the power of YouTube is an amazing thing. And I honestly think we live in a generation where it's easier to do things for the first time ever. And secondly, when you have a good uncle, they go a long way. So let's get into it. So what happened to me today? Well, Natalie and I got back to Arkansas after traveling for the last four months abroad, going to Ecuador, Colombia, Mexico, experiencing and seeing amazing things. Well, my brother Isaac was um, generous enough to let us store the car out in their field. And my mom ended up finding a tarp to cover the car for only $3. And it's just, there's nothing better than having amazing family. I think it's truly a blessing. I'm truly fortunate to have them in my family. But yesterday, whenever we went to go get the car and turn it on and take everything off... We turned it on and the car was in start and, and my brother noticed under under it that there was a lot of um, fluid coming out. So we looked at it and we were like, it's gas. And at that point, you know, I traveled 12 hours. Natalie got to the airport at 9.30 a.m. and stayed there and waited for me. It was a really, really long day. It's one of those days where it's like you've gone through everything to get to where you need to be. I traveled with Nelly on the plane and um it was it was a lot to say the least. And to get home and see your car leaking gas, you're like, good lord. And it was really leaking it. So I always believe if you have car problems, the first thing you have to do is understand what the problem is. It's not sit back and wait. It's like, okay, let's determine what the issue is. So for a diagnosis so my brother, being a great brother that he is, went and got a um, jack from his garage and we jacked the car up. We looked at it. We looked at the line and in touching the line, I noticed that there was a hole in it. And immediately I was like, okay, that's the gas line. So I took some pictures of it and I'm the type of person that I'm always going to Google it to determine if I can just do it on my own. And it's not like a pride thing or a price thing or anything that it's really like a time thing. Like, can I get this done and take care of it so I don't have to deal with the headache of calling people, finding a shop that can do it, doing the parts and going through this whole process where you're like, to me, that is more annoying than anything. And last time there was an issue with the car, it's a 2015 Toyota Corolla. I was able, the touchscreen was no longer working. And I was able to buy a touchscreen on um, eBay for $200. 
and originally I had it priced out for Toyota dealership, and they went ahead and priced me four grand on it. And I was like, you cannot be four grand to replace that stereo. So I watched one YouTube video, okay, and I literally bought the stereo from eBay for $250 and put it in myself. So, you know, it's like, that's just stuff you got to be able to do in this day and age because the price, $4,000 for it, it's like, there's a point where it's like people are just trying to make money off you. So what I did, you know, is I watched some YouTube videos and I found one YouTube video and I don't know why, but like when you watch YouTube videos on how to fix a 2015 Corolla, they're all like Russian speakers and they're always like, if you want to fix your car, you must be able to do this. And it's very important, and sometimes it's actually dangerous. So you have to have fire extinguisher by car when you touch gas line. I'm like, come on, bro. It's like, there's just a lot of stuff like that whenever you're watching, you're like, I don't believe it. And they'd be like, whenever you release clips. So I don't know how familiar you guys are all with fixing a car or understanding it. Um, I'm sure like it's this is going to be really common. So essentially what had happened was is, um, the gas line was leaking and whenever the gas line is leaking, you have to be able to, I mean, what, you know, the engine can't get any gas and it's gas. I mean, it's flammable. So from there, what I did is I started YouTubing different videos to, to kind of figure out what was going on. And I did it all night and I was able to kind of get a feel for it. And I was like, there's a potential that I could fix this for myself. So I um, texted my Uncle David, and I just want to shout out to Uncle David too. Once again, great uncle. Um, I sent him some pictures, and I was like, hey, can can I, like, do this on my own? Can I change out this fuel line? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And my Uncle David's really chill. He was an air mechanic for 20 years for American Air, fixes cars, like it's nobody's business, fixes airplanes like it's nobody's business, and there's nothing more technical to fix a jet engine, and he could probably take a jet engine out and fix it over time, no problem. I mean, which to me is just insane. And, like, there's a story in my family about Uncle David being mechanically inclined, and it goes that, you know, there used to be a tractor out in a field where they grew up in Michigan, and my grandma had 14 kids. So it was a big family, and Uncle David went out, like, to this tractor, and, like, I guess this tractor had been in the field as long as everybody can remember, and nobody could get it started, and Uncle David went out there for the first time ever and was able to work on the tractor, and just, he just knew how to start it, which to me is, like, the craziest story ever that my Uncle David could just start a tractor and understand the mechanics of it, so he's mechanically inclined like really high, like as a high level. And if I put my level at mechanically inclined, I would probably put it at mid to low, but well enough to know or get in trouble. So I texted my Uncle David today and I was like, hey, you know, what are, can I fix this? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you just have to remove it, it pops off. And that's kind of what the YouTube videos were saying. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to try to pop this off. Well, what I really didn't know is like, it's like so funny because it's like I did one step and then I called him and I did another step and I called him and, and he was there to fix me the whole way. And 
meantime, he's in Michigan, like, delivering boats. So I really appreciated his time. And what is, is, like, whenever you have that line, it's actually a connector from the fuel tank to the fuel line that's running into the engine. And you can pop it off with with a valve or a flathead screwdriver. And I popped it off, and then, you know, my mom's there talking with me as she helps me go through fixing this car. And, you know, I pop off the seat. Well, essentially what happened is I called my uncle David. I'm like, hey, I got it popped off, like, how do I, I'm having issues getting to the tank because I thought maybe I could reach up to the tank. I really didn't know what I was doing in all honesty. I was like, I'll just figure it out as it goes. And my Uncle David is like, maybe most Toyota Corollas have a plate. So if you lift up the seats on a Toyota Corolla, there's usually a plate under it. And that plate goes to the top of the gas tank. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, how? First of all, it's incredible my Uncle David just knows that. Like, he knows it like... I know, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know anything like that. So he just knew it. And then, so I was able to get the gas cable off the tank. And then I looked at it, and these little mice had bitten into it. And that's why gas was leaking. So that's just one story. So the whole goal of today for me was to figure out if I could just get that tube off. Well, after you get the tube off, then the next goal is like, can I fix this? So then <laughs> I'm like calling AutoZone, calling different mechanics, figuring out if I can fix this gas line. And eventually I talked to my uncle and he's like, you're um, probably just going to have to make your own. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, all you really need to do is just cut out the valves from the original tube and get a piece of rubber fix it from there he's like i do it all the time and get two clamps i'm like what so i'm like this is crazy but i'm like okay well if my uncle david's telling me this then it's like i mean it's pretty much the gospel like you could take that to the bank so i'm like okay so i get my old gas line and i cut out the valves with a with a knife and i work the valves out and then i go to AutoZone and i ask him if they have the correct um gas line and they don't and then i go to napa auto parts which they did a phenomenal job and i went in there and i was able to get the the gas line once again i have no idea what i'm doing it was 5 16th rubber hose cut it to three feet i was able to get the clamps that my uncle told me to get which he told me to get clamps and the gaskets for it so i was able to do that and get the clamps and then I go at Napa and I reach in my pocket and the clamp is no longer there and I'm like this is just that kind of day blah 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 I drive to AutoZone the fuel clamp that I cut out is somehow in the parking lot I get it then I go to my brother Jason's house I mean, this is a family affair right and I needed a, um, a 12 millimeter to take because I used my brother's 12 millimeter wrench but it was just too much to get in there, and I needed a drill bit, and I knew my brother Jason would have it, and he's super organized, and I knew he'd like it wouldn't like take him long to figure it out. So he gave me the twelve millimeter, and from there, I took the drill out there, and I had the rubber hose, the two valves, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I was able to essentially put the valves in and and I I got it working on one part but then 
When I tried to put the clamps on that I purchased, I loosened them up too much and I couldn't get them back in. So luckily my brother Isaac was coming back out to the farm and I called him and he was able to bring me the two clamps. And, you know, like as, as I reflect this, it's funny because I'm like, yo, this is just all family helping me with this. Like family and YouTube and me just being super determined. And it just makes me really blessed that I have such a like an amazing family. And <laughs> he brought the clamps out. And my brother showed up just long enough like just to critique me on everything I was doing with the tools. And now I messed up his tools. And like, it was just like, it was classic older brother. And it just made me laugh. And um, and we had a laugh about it because I knew exactly what he was doing. He's just, just being my brother. And um, I was able to push the tube through get the clamps, put the valve on, and sure, as the day is long, that thing fired up and it worked, and I couldn't believe that I was able to get it to work, you know, because it's like in a 24-hour window, I never knew what that fuel line was, I had no clue, I didn't know anything about it, I had no idea where the fuel tank is in that car, and with the YouTube videos and the extensive help from my family, I was able to actually fix it. And, it, and I drove it, you know, and I was like, wow. And it's like, it's amazing to me because obviously with the help of family, like if my uncle David, I don't think I would have figured it out. Like, I know I wouldn't have. If my uncle David didn't tell me what to do, there's no way. But that's kind of like the experience that's so amazing. Like whenever it, it like cuts time in half and... You're able to do things you wouldn't think you're able to do. So I just want to put it out there that, hey, like, just give it your shot sometimes. Give it your best shot. And, you know, you just have to be, you just can't be defeated. And for me, it was an interesting day. Um, not how I want to spend my holiday. But, you know, to have the car fixed is really, really a blessing. And I'm just so thankful and grateful for my family. So thank you for listening and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Welcome back y'all to episode 66 of the Zachary Wingate podcast where we go 365 days. Nothing is off the table. We touch on all topics and today is no different than the other. So sit back, relax and listen and enjoy the podcast. Nothing is worse when someone tells you you need to do a podcast on something you've already done. Today, I got a message from David Goose, who has been on this show, sending me all of these random um, art generated from an AI software. And he replied with, you should do a podcast on AI-generated software. And I was like, Goose, not only... Have I done a podcast on AI-generated software? I literally sent you the artwork and told you what it was. And you replied back, oh. I was like, man, what does that even mean? But in itself, I thought it was hilarious. And what is the state of the world? It's kind of like that miscommunication. Two words made in America. I really think... There is 
it's just like an interesting time that we live in. You know, I was doing some research on um, the tallest man in the world, Rob Whitlow, who was 8'11", so almost 9 feet. And to put that into context, I mean, if you look at Shaquille O'Neal, who is 7'6", right, or 7'3", I think he's 7'3", and Yao Ming is 7'6". When Rob Whitlow was... 12 years old, he was already 7 foot tall. And this is a result of the pituitary gland um, having more pressure on it and resulting in giantism. Um, Andre the Giant had it. Um, I, I think Tony Robinson has some too. So it makes him so big. And it's treatable through um, chemicals now. But Rob Whitlow, it's just interesting Like when you look at his story. Because he was born in 1918 in a small town in rural Indiana. And I think for me, what makes the story interesting is obviously, you know, being 8'11 is a feat. You're the tallest man of all recorded history that we have. Um, He lived to be 22. He lived from 1918 to 1940. And what's really interesting about his story is like understanding like that time period and how if you had him alive now, I mean, that kid would be like all over the internet doing TikTok dances and trying to dunk a basketball and anything to generate some type of content. And you look at the story and you it's really like crazy because he'd be walking in and out of Chicago. He's a part of like um, the Boy Scouts, obviously, you know, he would have died in 1940, so the 30s would have been the Dust Bowl, the Great Depression. He's kind of coming out of this time period. And I guess there was apparently a, what happened is his dad was always trying to solicit him or make money if people took pictures of him. He always expected to get paid. You know, there was kind of like this commodity value with him. And it's really interesting how he died because I guess... You know, he was a represent representative for a shoe company, and he took it as a full-time job, and he would fly around the country talking about shoes and doing things of that nature. But I guess a blister got on his foot, and it rubbed the wrong way, and it killed him. You know, eventually it would have killed him at the age of 22, and went in a small town. I mean, they bit big statue about him, but it's, like, really interesting because... He also was a part of the Ringling Brothers, always wore a three-piece suit. Um, probably lived a really interesting life from like 15 to 22 in all reality. Um, but whenever you're nine feet, I mean, that that's insane. I mean, how that is so tall because that means that he would be three feet taller than Yao Ming or Shaquille O'Neal. So getting into that which when I read that story it really puts into context what was going on during that time and there's a really interesting time in American history and you think about the conflicts of what's going on today I mean I don't even know where to begin so I got my master's degree in international security you know policy studying the impacts of foreign effects you know and you look at right now what's going on in relations with Saudi Arabia, OPEC meeting, which 
I don't know if you know this, but OPEC is 12 countries that meet that have oil in their countries from Saudi Arabia to, you know, Colombia, um, Ecuador even is a part of it. And kind of shorting out the barrels and what that's doing is creating this situation where it drives the economy up and potentially Russia makes more money with the the oil, with the um, the, the dollar. And then now you have the United States not willing to sell jets to Saudi Arabia. You know, a lot of military arms sales happen with Saudi Arabia. We sell the shield air defense systems to them. And that helps with anything going on with Iran because Iran has been Victorian time backed and has partnerships with North Korea and Russia. So it's like just really weird timing because it's like when you look at what happened in World War One, you know, the shot um, felt around the world whenever the president of Serbia, I think, was killed and how everybody kind of had policies and treaties set in place for a situation like this. And as a result of it, it drawed everybody into a war. It wasn't like that's what makes World War One so interesting is the fact that so many legal policies and treaties were happening. And then you kind of look at the impact of World War One, which was the ris- really was the rise of um like fascist socialism and the rise of dictatorship happening with Mussolini, Hitler, and no one can ever remember who the emperor of Japan was at the time, which is kind of funny. That we remember all the Europeans, but we don't remember the Japanese. And obviously as a result of it, the bombing brought us in. So it's really interesting where we are now because we're kind of going through this whole process, I think, with Ukraine. But it's like you're looking at like the narratives being spun. You're looking at the technology. You're looking at people getting involved like Elon Musk and... You know, the the people sending money, and it's just such a strange endeavor because, like, we really do kind of live in this billionaire area where, you know, there's 3,000 billionaires, 935 of them are in the United States, and you think about how much impact and influence they can potentially have. And you look at that and what that means in the outcome. Like, probably never in history have individuals had so much impact and influence through different means. I mean, I don't know what happened with PayPal with this whole, if you are going to say anything that they deem negative or not PC, they could take out $2,000. And you have Elon Musk, who is the founder of PayPal and his brother, being like, if that's the case, you should just cancel your account. I mean, and PayPal retracted the statement and said it was an accident as a result of it, but that kind of impact and influence, it's like, I can't really, I mean, could you imagine being able to mold and shape the world we live in today based on what you're able to do? I mean, I think that in itself would be a pretty remarkable sensation. But I think about all of that correlating in kind of different time periods, like even going back to Rob Whitlow, like dealing with, you know, 1918 and 1930, the impact of World War I transitioning into the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression and how there were government programs created for it, like the CCC, which is the Civilian Conservation Corps that built the majority of the national parks whenever the economy was having issues. What Franklin Roosevelt did was create those, kind of that organization to help people spring out of 
the Great Depression. And you're now like, we're kind of in this environment where we can do that, but also there's so much wealth generated that people can do that as well. I mean, you had the Rockefellers and you had, you know, those those types of family. You also had the, um, uh, it's not the Car- the Carnegie's creating the well endowment for the Carnegie Libraries, you know, obviously philanthropists of the time, but the wealth and the information and the knowledge now can just go so quickly. The influence can happen so fast. I mean, you look at any moment with Elon Musk, he's the hero or the enemy based upon what is being presented on social media. I mean, we are we are seeing narratives change quicker now than we ever have. And that in itself is adding to, I mean, how much information can you potentially absorb daily about somebody based on what they're doing? It's like, it's pretty remarkable. And then you have people just living their day-to-day lives, paying bills, trying to make it, build businesses, and not be so focused on it all. I mean, it's like, now we kind of just get to this point where we are tied in with our cell phones, but like, Doing some research on Rob Whitlow, it's really interesting to see, you know, his obituary within the newspaper and how. I'm sure seeing that in the newspaper, it made news, but that's like a novelty story. I mean, that's something that you would see on any social media apparatus. You know, the parallels of how that story transpired then and if it happened today, you know, the difference in it. And I really do think... You know, within a hundred years, the the transition of technology and information is really something where we're still, you know, processing and getting our head around it. You know, if you really look at what has, how has technology impacted us? Like, if you were to say, what is the one positive thing about having technology? And that you absorb the information, but as a result of having it, you're playing video games all the time. Um streaming and putting things on social media. I mean, I think what it really does is it allows a level of comfortability, but at the same time taking you out of what it means to be in a community and be human and be a part of a group of people and work together. You know, I think even me, it's like 98% of my work is done on the internet. So, you know, the internet does create this flexibility, but as a result of it, you have to be even more mindful kind of what you're doing and I think going into the story of Rob Whitlow and, and understanding where he was as a young man and even giving like you know being eight foot eleven and dealing with that time I can't imagine especially in Illinois you know I think there's so many different stories like this because people try to kind of say that there was giants at some point in time but I don't know how it's like the gravity impacts things. It's like if you look at the biggest land animal, I mean, it would be a giraffe. And you kind of look at the physical makeup because you got to understand that there, even if there was giants, they're still dealing with the impact of gravity. And there was a show done one time on Netflix that showed if gravity was different on different planets and there was life, it would totally impact it in a whole new way. And I think, you know, if you look at, Rob Whitlow and the impact of gravity on him. I mean, that's that's a lot. Being nine foot and dealing with a constant push. I mean, I don't even know how that boy got in a car. But anyways, 
just a random rambling over here, kind of going through my thought process of the day, and kind of getting the car is still running, able to get the gas hose in there, running today, which is remarkable. Um, you know, it's amazing what you can do as long as you have some dedication to it, and you're not, you don't give up at the first challenge, you know, and you work through those different processes. I think that in itself is a skill and a talent, but that's where I'm out today, still here in Arkansas, enjoying it, seeing my family, my brother's birthday, you know, living, living life like that. So hope you guys enjoy it and we'll talk to you tomorrow.